0: On Sky Sports Radio, time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting, this guy. Streeting his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls.
1: Welcome to Punter's Postmortem.
0: Well, he's starting to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar.
2: Good morning and welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Thanks for tuning in to Sky Sports Radio on this Monday. It is the 30th of May and a super weekend of racing both here in Sydney and also interstate. uh, The Derby, among other group ones, was run up there in Queensland at Eagle Farm. This morning, Ron Duffy, Glenn Munsey and Chris Roots, along with myself, Luke Marlow, will be your panel for punters post mortem, we'll take your calls on thirteen fifty three fifty three, and we will after nine thirty on the show this morning pay tribute to the late great Lester Piggott, who passed away over the weekend, aged eighty two. Sad for his family and condolences to them, but uh, we'll be joined by his close friend Tom Magnier, who knew him very well, uh, to discuss his life and tell a few yarns about Lester Piggott. Let's uh, get the scratchings now for this morning. Tanya Thomas joins me. Good morning Tanya.
3: Morning Luke. Morning everyone. No racing in Port Macquarie today. The track is not looking its best but we have racing interstate at Doombin and Pakenham. So let's start with Doombin. The weather is overcast. The track a heavy eight. The rail is out four metres the entire course. penetrometer six and there are 55 scratchings. Note it's an early start. 11.25 the first race and takeout number three Halterman and six political debate three and six. Race 2, number 6, Honesty and Loyalty, 8, Lately, 12, Home of Goolagong, and 14, Usurli, 6, 8, 12, and 14. From race 3, number 11, Baloo, number 11, race 4, take out 4, Noble Cat, 5, Sea Stitch, 7, Gulf of Venice, 9, Sir Emon. 10 Super Shares, 11 Deleth, 12 Ms. Manelli, 15 Ronley Gal, and 16 Zoo Haven. 4, 5, 7, 9, 10, 11, 12, 15, and 16. Raise 5, number 1, Captive Vea, 6, Charlotte King, 7, Situation Room, 9, Milliarence, 10, Bright Daisy, 11, Duchess Rothsay, eleven no, 13, Not Another, and the Emergencies, 18, 20, 22, and 23. 1, 6, 7, 9, 10, 11, 13, 18, 20, 22, and 23. From Race 6, Number 2, Honourable Spirit, and 5, The Fearless One, 2, and 5. Race 7, Number 1, Maximum Output, five super gorgeous seven devil's right eight Freya's cloak 11 Mr Vista 13 reliable Ruby emergencies 16 and 18 one, five, seven, eight eleven thirteen sixteen 13 sixteen and 18 to race eight take out six Modelka, seven bow ideal nine plutocrat ten the Pines 12 Enterprise Karen. 14, Aidens Field. 16, Love Sensation and the Emergency. 20, 6, 7, 9, 10, 12, 14, 16 and 20. And out of race, 9, number 3, Don and Kim. 5, Brave Warrior. 7, Miss McKinley. 9, Dominaccia. 11, Terua. 12, Wilmot Pass. 13, Diasonic. 14, Daring Bell and the Emergencies. 18 and 19. 3, 5, 7, 9, 11, 12, 13, 14, 18 and 19 from race nine at Doomban. And down to Pakenham where the weather is raining but the track is synthetic, the rail is true and just the eight scratchings. The first race at one thirty is clear. Also races two and three are clear. So start at race four, Takeout seven, Clean Machine, number seven. Race five, number four, Tycoon Raff and eight, whiz Tears, four and eight from the fifth. From race six, number one, Mystery Bad Guy and eight, Able Warrior, one and eight. And from race seven, the emergencies, 13 and 14. That's 13 and 14, Luke, from race seven, at Pakenham.
2: Thank you so much Tanya. Tanya Thomas there with today's Scratchings. It is punters post-mortem. Let's say good morning to our panel of experts now. I'll say firstly good morning to Ron Duffy who joins me on the line. Morning Duff.
4: G'day Luke. Um, Interesting uh, weekends racing. Obviously big program at Eagle Farm and it looked pretty tough there at Ramwick with a lot of horses at big odds getting home there. Was a couple of them with no names really, uh, but um, I think obviously, hopefully, the punters struggled through and got a result throughout the day. And and what a day you, you know we lost Lester over the yesterday and and I think we'd more probably celebrate than his life that he's had because boy oh boy what a life he did have you know he, I think he rode mm-hmm. his first winner when he was 12 years of age. He wrote his first Epsom Derby winner as an 18-year-old, and he won nine of them. Uh, so there's so many stories about Leicester.
2: Yeah, well said, Duff, and I do apologise. I said at the top of the show that he passed aged 82. He was, in fact, 86. Um, I did read an article that uh, that quoted 82, but that is incorrect, so uh, my apologies. And uh, we will pay tribute to Leicester on the show this morning at, at 9.30, Duff. Uh, Tom Magnier, Principal of Coolmore, knew Leicester well, and I know you'd met... Leicester a few times as well Duff um, and you you put out a nice tweet saying that you felt you were uh, amongst royalty uh when when you were with with Lester. so look forward to paying tribute to him on the show a little bit later
4: Yeah I'm interested to see what uh, Tom would know him a lot better than me I was he in his companies to come to he's been to Australia he's ridden here and every year in Hong Kong he used to turn up at the international meeting and have a chat and he was hard to he was hard to understand because he had a bit of a cleft palate yeah. but it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, part of his uh uh, he just had such a life, and and um, well, as the old saying goes, he loved his racing.
2: Absolutely, he did. Uh, this man loves his racing as well. Chris Luke Lo- Roots he is joining us on Punters Postmortem this morning. Good morning to you, Chris.
5: Morning, morning. Um, it's been a sad day, hasn't it? Reading sitting there last night, reading the tributes to Lester Pickett and um, I don't think we fully grasp what an icon he was of the sport because when. When he was riding, there wasn't that much coverage of English racing, and now we get it every every night. You can sit there and watch watch the Tories and your Ryan Moores go around and even your Tom Mark ones. But I think that's the pivot. He was he was another level from from what we hear. And you know, stories of him taking whips off other jockeys. You know, he was a, he, he had he had that little bit of um, that you need to be a great jockey. And to start Epsom Derby week with the nine-time winner of the Derby. Um, passing away is really sad, but um, talking to Tom Tom about him and he's got some great stories. He actually grew up with him at the at the at the dinner table as a young as a young tyke. So he'll he'll tell us some great stories about Leicester
2: Yeah, looking forward to that, Chris. Uh, Glenn Munsey, he was airborne on Friday, guys, uh, on our punters panel. He uh, he shot the lights out, Mun's the best saluted, um, and once again, Mun's um, I was the weakest link. Good morning to you.
0: Yes, good morning, uh, Luke. Good morning to Chris and good morning to Ron and everyone tuned in. Yes, you're going to have to come in a counselling session with me, Luke. Um, I'm trying to drill it into your head, but evidently, you know, the the tungsten tip that I'm using to get through that cranium (laughs) is just not the right one because it's getting a bit monotonous, Luke, to be honest with you, to be, you know, brought down by the youngest member, (laughs) supposed to be put himself as some sort of expert, but, you know, as you know, a spurt is water under pressure. Gee, Um, i tell you
2: what you didn't miss. I mean, um, no sympathy given around him. Here, Duff. He, he no, tips one winner, and he wants to carry on.
4: Oh, it's a hard school. There's
2: no, is it what?
4: Yeah, say, you know, uh, self-praise is no praise, but uh, <laughs> that's
2: not in the mun- mun- Munsey
4: vocabulary. No. <laughs> no, no. Well, you know, Ron.
0: You know, these blokes purport to be. You know, they they, they talk <laughs> themselves up. So, you know, if you you, you know you lead with your and chin, you're entitled to get one put on it every now and then. Well, it's in, the it, next
4: gen, Glenn. It's the next gen. We got to get we got to get moving with it. Oh, oh yeah, I know. yeah,
2: dude. Yes, well, look, uh, aside from spraying me, um, I hope you've got something else to to offer to the show this morning, Munns. Let's talk about Sydney first uh, and and this horse that you were were keen on. And I'm keen to to hear if Duff uh, spotted him as well over the weekend. This Owen County, Munns, um, he's one that looks set to go to Queensland now after a a really nice win there in the Shades on Saturday.
0: Yes, uh, Luke, we we made him a horse to follow actually out of his Hawkesbury uh, race. And the, the fact that just year in, year out, you know there are certain races at certain times that just tend to, you know, be a producer of horses that you know go on to be to be better things. And uh, this race at Hawkesbury, which uh, is run on the standalone Saturday, uh, the Clarendon, it's it's just the time of year I think that it does appear. You know, horses stretched out to fourteen hundred metres, they they potentially got bigger fish to fry. Whether they are going to Brisbane for the size or for the JJ Atkins, and you know you're looking for a type that's going to be. One that's you know trains on or, or looks for a little bit further ground and and that just looked his race Saturday when you consider you know Golden Queen she was coming out of a, a an eleven hundred meter race at Scone where she was a forty to one chance I know the winner is very very good in secret right but one two three four round the corner finished one two three four um, and you don't you, you you're not forty to one
2: one week and evens the next Duff uh, you impressed with this horse at all Owen County.
4: Uh, yep, I've been impressed with him um, all the way through since we were, um, I think one of our callers uh, told us to watch the replay at Goulburn after his first win. And I think we watched it on the show while, we're, while he was talking and we all agreed he's a really nice horse and mm. and I think we all made him the horse to follow out of Hawkesbury. I couldn't believe it when he went up, well he went up $8 before was scratching but after the adjustments he was $6 on Thursday morning or something and I thought "Geez, that's big odds this is going to run $3 something so uh, Did you go again Duff?
2: You uh, go I again?
4: Didn't, I didn't go again I went and paid the penalty with deductions and probably took the worst price <laughs> <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still trying to understand Do you run good Duff? <laughs> <laughs> i still trying to understand why he didn't start shorter but it's yeah. easy after the ball but I think a, a few were on before the ball there and I think the blinkers worked for him and um, he'll go to the mile now the only doubt with him at the mile next time is he might want further uh, because mm-hmm. he comes out of a mile on a wet track, uh, a 1400 on a wet track uh, so he he, more, he looks a real 2000 metre horse
2: Yeah he's good and John Sargent will certainly uh, get him to his absolute best if he is uh, indeed a stayer in time. We've got our first caller guys uh, on the line. Mark has chimed in this morning via 13.5353. 53. Good morning to you Mark.
1: Yeah good morning all I just want to have a chat with uh on Dupacy, please. Yes, uh, Mark. The, the, yeah, the, the defeat of Zaki on Saturday, mate. His second defeat in a big race. Um, and to my eyes, beaten by younger legs. Uh, and the perfect ride by Kieran McAvoy to take take him out the way that he did, mate. But how'd you see that?
4: Well, you're probably right. He was beaten by younger legs from a horse that's on the rise. There's no doubt about that. And and obviously the marketplace said, Zaki, you know, a dollar of 24, he should have won that race. And there was no – there's nothing in the run that you could say, well, he had excuses as well because he got into a beautiful rhythm. Rhythm, I thought he relaxed better than he had in the past. And uh, we were, we we're, I think they were all calling for a, a good track for him. up. Uh, but, look, let's face it, he, he – He'd had the heavy track lead up run, um, which is always a little bit of a question mark as we, actually, we can pull out examples everywhere there. We had all those horses going to Melbourne on Saturday that were on, running no good on heavy tracks in Sydney. They trifected two races in Melbourne there on Saturday, getting back to dry. So, um, look, we know he's a good horse. He was beaten by an up-and-comer, a really nice horse, the new kid on the block, Wetor, and... Uh, I don't think we can make an excuse for him.
1: And one more, please, uh, Ron. Uh, uh, am I catching run by a horse called Ting Tong?
4: Yeah, yeah, he's... he's uh, I thought he was better on the wet track, but he was uh, another good run from him. But where does he go from here? Um, you know, he's probably hit his grand final there on mm-hmm. Saturday in the, in the derby, and he ran well, and he ran well the start before, but it Frank's that that Phillies form that beat him the other day going forward to the Oaks next
1: week. A better four-year-old in the making, Ting-Tong? Yeah, maybe.
4: You know, look, I, I don't think that was a strong derby. Uh, I really don't. And the winner showed that. He he had five weeks off and he had the dry track form and all these horses have been built each other up on, on heavy tracks. So I, I, a little on the fence there, Mark. I I, I think Ting-Tong... Ran well, but as far as being a big spring prospect for the majors, I'd, I'd be a little bit reserved about that.
1: Yeah, right. Mate, so this week at the turf club, we, we say goodbye to our great uh, friend there, R- Navesh Ramdani. He's going on to a different life, mate, further north from here. But he's given the punters in Sydney tremendous confidence in the time that he's been with the uh, turf club there, and, and we, we've learned a lot from him. As well, when we go to the races. So we wish Navesh Ramdhani all the best. You know. Oh,
4: we do. We, we you don't know how much we're going to miss him. Uh, he's a he's a terrific bloke, um, approachable, uh, doesn't get flustered. Um, yeah, yeah, we're going to miss him, but he he's going to enjoy his new lifestyle on the coast, and we're going to be poorer for it. But uh, we have got a good man there as well. But Mike Wood, but uh, Navesh is the backbone, and and uh, we're going to miss him.
2: Thanks, Ron. Good on you. Thanks so much for your call, Mark. Um, since Mark mentioned that Derby Duff, uh, the ride on the winner, Pinarello, Leith Innes, bit of a mic drop after the race. He said, Right, I'm not going to ride one better than that. I'm finished. Um, he's He retired on the back of the win, and gee, um, it was a 12 out of 10, wasn't it?
4: Oh, <laughs> you won't see any better. You won't see any better.
2: I was Just describe him. it for us, stuff, what I he don't, actually don't, did. Early. I, I,
4: I had eyes for him because I backed him, and I, I said to Radley, we were out the front, and they hadn't even got to the post the first time. I said, This is the greatest mo- uh, positioning I've ever seen from an outside <laughs> barrier. And then. Mid race when he made that move, I went, "Oh, what are you doing? But then he had them slow horses in front of him, and he, he it 's not as if he hunted around, he just let the horse move and he he knew the horse and um, yeah, oh, it was a great ride what a what a way to go out you know mm. on your own terms yeah cop that i 'm out of here
2: yeah, it was super chris uh, great ride on the winner, and uh, look Hugh Bowman's on the second horse was equal to it as well, paternal, but Pinarello just had that stuff tough, tough staying. New Zealand pedigree. Yeah,
5: and when he popped out at the six hundred about the six hundred and got three wide, you thought, Oh, travelling, going really well, but he gone too early. He, like Dave said, he just let him roll into the race. And then he had a had a dash and that probably was in the end was the winning of the race because the horses back in the field that were chasing Paternal and Kabush had traffic problems coming through and mm. um Kabosh only got out in the last 150 metres and probably talking through my pocket, but he, he, he's, he looks a real, out of the, the ones in the, in the finish, I think he's the one to follow going forward in longer races during, in the next year. I don't know where we'll see him in cups or where, where he'll be, but I think he'll be, a, he could be a nice horse around the, around the 2000 foot, uh, mile and a half of band, but all, all credit to winning and in us um what a great way to go out. A New Zealand jockey comes over here again and um, pulls our jockey's pants down and, and just shows how how, how, how much we, we, we're missing.
2: Mm. Well said. Uh, we've got another caller, guys. Uh, Jeff has called in, wants to talk about uh, races eight and nine at Melbourne on Saturday. Uh, a betting-related question, I believe, Jeff, Good morning to you. Yeah, um,
6: good morning, boys. Yes, I uh, just thought I'd check with Glenn. I took a multi on the last two. And the approximate odds were $8 and $5 they paid. Yet if you have a look at the running double on the last, on races, 8 and 9 in Melbourne, the running double only paid
0: $8.90. Well, mate, paramutual products, um, you know, it's all got to do with supply and demand. The running double on the New South Wales tote um, held, uh, geez, that couldn't be right, could it? Yeah, I think I didn't think it held that much, uh, 14000 uh, the running uh, is no that the running double no that 's no eight way. and nine hang on i 've got to look at eight and nine that was seven and eight i 've got to look at the running double eight into nine um, What did it hold? Uh, no, that, that's uh, that's the previous race. Yeah, the running double goes 18 to 9, so 14,000. So, uh, mate, it, it, it's, it, it, there are vagrancies going to pop up all the time. Anything to do with parimutuel, um, it, it's, it, it's not an exact science. It is when you work it all out, when you take away the tax out of the total pool and divide it by the number of investments. That's where it becomes an exact science. But trying to work it out pre-race is virtually impossible. Yeah, but
6: I've taken $40 on the... Uh on the multi, and it's only paid eight ninety. That is a huge discrepancy.
0: Well, someone's had a decent lick at the double,
6: right? You, yeah. I,
0: I tell you what, I don't think they'll be having a running double in the uh, in the not too distant future again if they've realised they've taken eight dollars
2: instead of forty dollars.
6: Exactly. Yeah. All
2: right then. Thanks, boys. No, good on you, Jeff. Uh, I hope that answers your question. Uh, text on the line here. Morning, guys. Wondering what you thought of southern stock in the Derby. And also private Eye in the Kingsford Smith. That's from Shannon, gentlemen. Who wants to chime in there?
4: Yeah, Southern Stock was good. He he was uh, strong. Um, he you know he ran on well into fifth spot there. And like I said, I'm I don't want to get too carried away about the Derby. I don't know if there was any depth of the, really to tell you the truth. And, and as, as Chris said earlier, Kabosh was the unlucky runner. If you want to pull things apart and nit- nitpick, he just lost momentum. Uh, at a vital stage And um,
2: what was the other horse? Um, Southern Stock and Private Eye
4: Yeah Private Eye was good yeah, he, didn't really, he didn't have any luck at Bless all Bless you mm. And uh, it was just a well judged ride On the winner by Jim Byrne That made it nearly impossible For those back markers there He just rolled, 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 quickened And the, he just caught him on the hop So uh, it just took the sting out of the finishes Where he was, he was quite good Private Eye
2: I tell you what Duff He's one horse you don't really want to leave alone Is he Apache Chase
4: <laughs> You do not No. And he's hard to he, get past He is And especially uh, when, he, when he relaxes a little bit better Sometimes he tears away in front But he worked him out there on Saturday Jimmy He went hard enough to be left alone And then he thought Okay uh, look Paul Ailey's outside me I'm gonna take, I've got to take some sting out of this three year old And he took the sting out of him He left him standing And, and took Paul Ailey forever to, to pick himself back up and uh, that was the case with most of the field there of, uh, as well. When they were starting to... Uh, I love these horses that can quicken on the turn after leading and then get the horses out of their comfort zone, and invariably they can pinch it.
2: I Do, you think, pre- rate. The, Sorry,
5: go, do you think, Duff, the, the having um, Paul outside him sort of left the jockeys with a little option to go to whip around and try and put pressure into the race before, before the 600, so basically... The race was run at a at a good tempo, but not yep. a great tempo, which allowed allowed Apache ch- Chase to have the race run on his terms. And I don't think, I think he's eight dollars in a strad break now. There's no way he gets a run like that in the Stradbroke, and there'll be a wake up to it. He's got his Group One, and well done to Desley Foster and the team there. She's she's done a great job at placing this horse. But I think that was the, that was the that was the, that was his day day in the sun. I, I I can't see him at fourteen hundred meters being with a, particularly with a big weight getting such a good run and a, just a brilliant Jim Byrne ride ride as you said and just when he when he took off every other horse that was back in the field's making its run so all of a sudden you keep the you keep those distances in the field and it makes it very hard if you're not a very strong horse coming from the back to make up the ground
0: yeah, but uh, if yeah. you couldn't. Couldn't win the Straddy last year with fifty and a half kilos. Jimmy Byrne rode a kilo over. It had forty nine and a half originally last year, uh, plus a kilo over. It's got fifty five and a half this year. So um, <laughs> and you, well, 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 uh, well, put it this way: it depends. What you know, if you get a similar field to what went round the other day, you're going to get a similar type of speed in the race. But surely they're not going to be able to, you know, uh, give it to Apache Chase like they did on Saturday.
4: Yeah, look, it's the strategies of impossible races. It's going to be one of the hardest races to do form on of, of the year, I think. You know, you could go right down the page there and make little cases for everything, and I just can't get. I don't think he'll run favourite like he is now. Apache Chase. you know, but, um, that form from Saturday. It's just a little bit messy trying to read that race. I, I thought 11-11 was great. What about his Queensland record, Alligator Blood? He was terrific. He's, he's in the picture for um, for the Stradbroke, there's no doubt about it. And then, you know, we'll, we'll be looking at all these lightweights and the barrier draws and the maps and all this sort of stuff. Uh, as far as saying, here's $100, go and have a bet in the Stradbroke, I'd say, keep your money in your pocket.
0: Yeah, and then you've got the the total fresh blood in the race, Ayrton, uh, who Mick Price and Michael Kent Jr. said they're going to pay the late entry fee for. He's going to trial tomorrow in Brisbane, and Jamie Carr's going to ride it. Uh, you know, it's only got a trial probably well tomorrow, and it, it'll more than likely
5: be favourite. Well, you probably well, it'll might. be it'll be five dollars if Jamie Carr's on it, right? Yeah. Like they you know, punters just love to go towards a great, a very good trophy.
2: Yep. Might uh, get uh, an early Stradbroke tip for you guys from you guys uh, at the end of the show if there's anything you fancy. I know Duff uh, was talking up Scalapini a bit pre-race before the Kingsford Smith, and he appeared to go quite well. But uh, it'll uh, it'll be an open Stradbroke this year. Whatever happens, we've got another call, gentlemen. Now uh, Bob is online too. Good morning, Bob. Morning, guys. How are you? Uh, Very well,
6: um, I rang last week Monday morning and spoke to Glenn about the Pick Six and there was a $109,000 carryover pool going into the races starting this week. I just noticed that uh, on Saturday morning when I bought the paper, the big six jackpot was $50,000. Glenn, what happened to the other sixty or $59,000? Uh,
0: let me have a look and I'll tell you. Um, I I don't know whether all of the jackpot has to go into the next meeting and whether they save it for uh, a a carnival to be a major day. I did send Dave Stanley that information on Monday morning when I received the the notification of what the jackpots were going to be this week. So that would be the only reason I'd say that would happen.
6: Yeah, quite possible. It, it's really strange, Glenn, though, that there's really not that much clarity surrounding the pick six. Um, you know, you have a, a pick four jackpot and it goes into the very next race. Uh, you understand how much money's going in and you certainly understand where it's going to come, what race it's going to go to. But the pick six has just got this unusual thing that happens where even if there's a lot of money in it, um, they don't put all of that money into the jackpot the following week. And if you if you think about the races on on the weekend, uh, I think Glenn said no. It was uh, Duff said before that all all the races were run with winners that are over ten to one, and there was the Big Six didn't go off on Saturday. And no, so there's the another
0: hundred and twenty two thousand dollar jackpot to go into the Big Six pool. Yeah. So...
6: Well, well, well my, my question is, of course, is when do the punters see that? and what particular race it is. And you pointed out last week, it doesn't happen on midweek races, but it should happen at least the following weekend.
0: Yeah, well, once again, when the notification comes out today, I'll send it to Luke, um, and that's all I can do. Mate, I, I'm, not, I'm not a member of the marketing uh, staff. I'm not even a member, literally, of the media. Well, we don't have a media team there anymore anyway. All I'm doing is relaying the information that is sent to me. I think, I think, Bob, um, I'm, not, point, I'm not privy to what decisions are made as to, to to what races they go on to. All I can do is, is forward you the information that's sent to me.
4: I'm surely... I, I agree with you, Bob. I think, I think it all should go to the next Saturday, and it's a great promotion, but yeah, you advertise and say, so look, there's 300 going towards this pick six, and that'll generate bigger pools. And if we got results like we got on Saturday, um, what, what, what are they scared of? Are they scared of you know the the, the professionals stepping in when the pools come in and, and pinching the pool? I don't know what their thinking is there. Uh, I, I thought it'd be a great promotion if you had a big jackpot pool going into a big six. Darren, yeah, well, I, I think I Darren, think they like Darren
0: to them loves them his yeah. Darren, yeah, oh, Darren loves his. He, 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 <laughs> he loves the big six. Um, well, but I, I think they like to save them up to have one sort of massive. Um, pool on oh. on a major race day where they know they're going to get even more interest. Whether or not they just think, you know, who, who's going to play? Who's going to play the big six o- on Saturday? Um, you know, is is this well? There's 122,000 to go into the jackpot this week. Uh, what do they say? Do we make it a hundred thousand dollar jackpot and keep twenty two aside for something else? Or no, just um, throw it all in? Right? I'm not privy to the discussions and and what the you know, the modus operandi as to where the, you know, what percentage of the, the pool has to go into the next week. All I know is, you know, that they do like to have every now and then, you know, really, really big pools on major race days where they know they're going to get the interest and they may not think, even, even though it might be a $150,000 pool this week, they may just not think the interest is going to be there when literally the, the feature race meeting is out of New South Wales. Yeah, but well
5: surely advertised. the punter needs to know when when the when the big jackpot's going to be, so they can they can say right they're not going to do this until say Rosebud Day or Golden Rose Day, yeah. and we're going to have a million dollar jackpot. At least then there's some clarity for the punters. Well, well the, there is jackpots
0: the jackpots are are, are broadcast well broad, not broadcast, but they are there on the website each and every week to tell you what the what the
2: jackpots are going into the particular races.
0: Hmm. That, that would be Bob. my
2: advice, gentlemen. Um, just monitor the the websites that it will become available at some stage, and obviously, uh, we will relay it via the airwaves if it's emailed to us. And Glenn, if you send it to me, of course, I'll I'll happily relay that information. But um, I guess it's just up to you, as well as the punter, to monitor and 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 keep an eye out for when when those pools are coming. But if, like Bob's saying, that information isn't readily available, then then yeah, that is a, a bit of an issue, isn't it? Thanks for the call, Bob. We'll take a quick break on punters Postmortem. More of your calls after this.
1: You're listening to Sky Sports Radio and punters Postmortem.
2: Yeah, it's great to have your company, Luke Marlow, with you, along with Glenn Munsey, Chris Roots and Ron Duffersey this morning. It is 9.37. Thanks for being with us on Sky Sports Radio. We had the sad news over the weekend that Lester Piggott One of the greatest of all time jockeys has sadly passed away. He was 86. In 1985, he retired and he returned to the saddle in 1990. And uh, when he did return to the saddle, his most famous win of all, or one of his most famous wins of all was aboard Royal Academy in the $1 million at the time Breeders' Cup Mile in New York
4: as they come down to the final furlong. It's all Greek to me as a short lead, expensive decision, battling back, mark of distinction. Royal Academy is thundering down the
0: center of the turf. Carson Stein on his fifth. They're coming down to the finish. Lester Piggott
1: flailing away at Royal Academy. It's all Greek to me Turn the inside. Here's the wire. Head bumping finish. Royal Academy does it and the living legend out of retirement, 54-year-old Lester Piggott pulls off the...
0: Upset
2: here! Yeah, amazing. Uh, that was in 1990, Lester Piggott winning that Breeders' Cup mile in New York. What a, a great rider he was, and great man as well. Principal of Coolmore, Tom Magnier, knew Lester Piggott very well, and Tom has been good enough to give us some time this morning on Sky Sports Radio. Good morning to you, Tom. Morning, guys. How are you getting on? Very well, mate. Um, thanks for your time, and uh, condolences to you and the family. I, I know you were We're close with Lester, and um, it's great that you could join us to give us a bit of an insight into the man and tell us a little bit more about Lester. Talk to us about your relationship with him, and um, no doubt uh, you've got a few good stories about him.
6: Yeah,
7: I suppose suppose a year ago somebody said to me, why did you get into racing? And I said, well, when you were growing up, and you'd walk into the kitchen and there'd be Lester, Robert Sangster, Vincent O'Brien... You know also and my dad sitting down, coming up with plans for what's going to run in the Derby or what's going to run in Royal Ascot. You just sat there you know in awe, um especially of Leicester. um I think you know Sinatra uh was was what was for music, you know Sir Donald Bradman was for cricket, but I really do believe that Leicester was for racing he, he was. Like you ask any jockey uh, anywhere in the world, even Sydney, who do you think the greatest of all time was? Uh, and they'll say Leicester, You know, I have—I um, suppose the memories for me growing up was he—he he had been—he—he he obviously spent a couple of years in jail for uh, avoiding tax. He got out of jail and he'd he'd retired. And my grandfather Vincent O'Brien obviously had a very good colt uh, that he bought with classic thoroughbreds. Uh, called Royal Academy and he was going very well and they decided look we're going to send him to be the first European horse to to win a, a Breeders' Cup so the grandfather said well there's only one man I want to ride this horse and that's Lester and the lad said but your Lester's retired and he said leave that to me so he went down and he spoke to Lester and he said listen there's a meeting on in the current in three weeks time I'll put in five rides for you and you show me you're ready to go again, and then we'll go to America. So that was fine. They announced that Leicester was coming out of retirement. And to this day in the Dakar, they've never had a bigger crowd. Oh, yeah. Every farmer around the country dropped the milking bucket, and, and every farmer in the country dropped the milking buckets and headed to the Dakar for a record crowd to, to watch the comeback of Leicester. So the grandfather That's, gave him yeah. five, five rides, and he won on all five of them and he came back into the parade ring he said was that good enough for you
4: <laughs> Amazing. his
7: grandfather said ok we're going, we're going to New York we're going to the Breeders Cup and I think everybody heard the footage there and if you haven't seen the race watch it on watch it on YouTube it was voted the best ride of the 20th century for a man of 54 years old it was I think even watching it with my kids lately the hair stand up on the back of your neck watching it he was just different class and then you know, obviously he came back and his last ride was on a horse called College Chapel at Royal Ascot. It was the last uh, one for my grandfather as well and that horse won. And that horse coming back into scale to cheer at Royal Ascot, I don't think they've heard anything like it again. But on a more amusing story, I suppose, um, my grandfather obviously had a horse called El Gran Senor, And El Gran Senor was what Vincent O'Brien said was the best horse he ever trained it was owned by Robert Sangster, and he said he said to dad and the lads he said listen you can have the biggest bet you've ever had on this horse and I think Glenn I think you'll understand Robert liked the bet. anyway they they went to the derby and everybody I think the whole country had actually had their maximum bet on this horse they said it was the greatest certainty in racing anyway um the only problem was Lester and the grandfather were having a bit of a cooling off period. Uh, they were having a cooling off period, so the horse went to the races. It was written by Pat Hedry. Anyway, Pat Hedry rode the horse, and he was traveling beautifully. And just on the line, he got beaten by horse called Secreto, which was trained by my uncle, my grandfather's son, David O'Brien. And i say the grandson went very quiet that day. Um <laughs> Nobody quite could believe what happened. So my grandfather said, oh, my God, I've got to take a moment here. My son has just won the English Derby. But the lads are just lost with the best colt of all time to go into a Derby. So he just said, I'm just going to walk around the corner. I'm just going to gather my thoughts before walking in and, and meeting everybody. So he went around the corner, took a deep breath in, and he left it out. And there was a little nudge on his coattails and a whisper in his ear. I bet you miss me now.
6: <laughs>
7: and that was Lester. And that was Lester.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's cool. a beauty, Duff. That's a beauty.
4: Oh, unbelievable! I've got a story. In Hong Kong, there's a famous video that's been hidden away. <laughs> when Lester was riding in Hong Kong, and he was in this finish one, I think it was Happy Valley one night, and it was a ding dong battle. He was gone. You know, there was a horse inside and outside him. And the last... You'd get 10 years for it now. The last 50 metres... Lester, for some reason, pulled his whip up and just tapped his horse between the ears, and this horse is like an egg cracked on its head. Its, its head went flat and it got the photo finished. It's one of the, the most amazing wow. videos I have ever seen in my life. The ste- I don't think the stewards picked it up, but all the pros kept that video and, and had all the angles, and it was just the most amazing vision of a man, a horseman. I know, you'd never get away with it these days, but he, he knew what he had to do to win, and was there a stronger rider? No, he was never a stronger rider.
6: And I
7: think. I think another thing that I think that's a great story, but I think another thing. Thank God, there was no cameras for in the old days. I think it happened more than once. <laughs> where the Lester would come in and he'd have won a race, and some other jockey would have shouted, "You know, Lester, you took my whip." And on one case, it happened in Clonmel. He went around the back corner, and he took the whip off the jockey riding the favourite. <laughs> and uh, oh, you're kidding. The jockey turned around and he goes, you took my bloody whip. And he goes, you weren't using it correctly anyway. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and we all forget, you know, like he, he ran his first winner as a 12-year-old. He wrote in the jumps. I reckon he wrote about 20 jumps winners. Um, what, 116 Royal Ascot winners, I read. And, you know, he, nine Epsom derbies. He tied 11 times. Four and a half thousand winners. We do start with him as far as champion jockeys are concerned.
2: You're so right, Duff. And Chris, I know you've been chatting to Tom off the air this morning about Leicester. Um, those are some great stories.
5: They are, aren't they? And like I said before, um, Tom's been lucky enough to see Leicester at his best and winning derbies and things like that. And We'll probably all tune into the derby this week and watch it, and we get to watch a lot more English racing and understand it a bit better mm-hmm. now. But I don't think we understand how big a superstar he actually was. When you think, a jockey coming back—it'd be like when Darren Beeman come back, and they'd ha- they they would have would have had a hundred thousand at Randwick. Like that's the that's what we're talking about. Like he was he was more than racing, and he was he's probably the inspiration to so many jockeys that have come through the ranks. Probably not now—they pr- they probably forget, but they they talk of the myth of the legend of Mister Pickett now, and you know Tom's been lucky enough to lucky enough to see a lot of it, and you know the stories he tells—the Royal Academy story, like. 56 year, years old out of, out of the saddle for five years and comes out and, and, and becomes the first European horse to win a breeders Cup, which has now become where Europe and the US clash
2: Incredible. Um, Tom before we let you go uh, and thanks again so much for your time this morning. G- give us an insight into Lester personally what was he like as a man and just tell us a little bit more about him off the track
7: uh, no, he was he was he was lovely. In fairness to Lester, he'd turn up to every race meeting. Uh, he came to her. every time we had good horses running. He'd always be there. He'd always be in the parade ring. Uh, he'd always say, "Well done." But but Lester always liked to take the young jockeys uh, under his shoulder, and he'd walk the track with them. And you know, some of the jockeys that we had in Ballydoyle, you know, he, he'd like to walk. They'd all you know say, "Lester, would you like to walk the the track?" And he'd always do it. And he'd give them tips and pointers and he was a he was a real good guy, but a funny character as well. Um, you know, we had a lot of fun over the years, and he just was... I remember we were sitting at the dinner table. I was telling someone this morning, and I was... Uh, I think I was about 12. One of my favourite memories of Leicester was... I was sitting down, and the grandfather and dad and Robert had gone in. I think they were discussing other horses. So Lester was at the table, so two beautiful steaks were put in front of us. Anyway... Mine was a bit hot, so I said, I'll let the dog out and go to the bathroom. So I took the dog out, and I let the dog do wee on the grass. I got the dog by the collar, and I put him into his bed, and I walked up to the table. Anyway, my steak was gone, right? And I looked at Lester, and he goes, that's a very naughty dog. <laughs> and I was just you know what, he was just, there was just so many stories. He was, he was a legend, though. Like, when you went to the races, whenever he walked through the parade ring, every head would turn. He was just like everybody in Ireland, if you or in Europe, if you say who's Lester Pickett, they they know. And I think even in Australia I found over the last couple of days of talking to people where we knew he wasn't well. So many people in Australia know who Lester Pickett is. Mm-hmm. And you know, he'll there'll be Tories,
6: there'll
7: be stories told for generations about this man. He was a huge part of the history of Kumore of Bally Doyle and as you say, he was a he was a mentor, but he'll be a, you know, he was a legend and an icon for so many jockeys around the world.
4: For sure.
2: Yeah, he was. Tom, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Um, just before I, you go, Tom. I, yeah, like, go just, for it.
4: Just before you go, Tom. Home Affairs. we got Royal Escort coming up. Everything going well there home of, with Home Affairs?
7: Yeah, he's, he's really good himself. and nature strip have been down in Melbourne. James is really happy when he worked on the better surface the other day. He was very good. Um, so, yeah, they fly on Wednesday. They go to Lambourne. So just listen it's it's a huge ask for a horse to go to Europe. You know we, we think that there's so much success obviously with Australian horses but there's a couple like Fastnet Rock or you know they got travel sickness so it's such a it is such a big deal getting them there. But in fairness to Charlie Duckworth and Chris Waller, you know they they they're dotting uh, you know that they have everything in 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 plan and everything sorted to get these two horses there but we couldn't be happier with the horse, and we'll run him in the uh, we'll run him on the Saturday, and see how he pulls up. He might run on the in the July Cup, but no matter what happens, he has to go. He has to fly back to Ireland and go into quarantine at the night of the July Cup uh, in order to get back here for the season. Yep. I just think it's so good to have Australian horses back up at Ascot. I know that you know everyone's looking forward to to Nature Strip on Tuesday. Obviously, we have Golden Pal in that race, but it's just great for European racing and, and Australian racing that, you know, everyone's back on competing on the world stage again.
4: Is there another more horse over the Royal Ascot, a local one that we, we should keep an eye out for that you can tell the listeners? I don't know. It's kind of, we're just trying to just trying to finalise it all at the moment. Um,
7: yeah. We have a couple of good uh, Justify two-year-olds. Uh, Justify has had two very smart winners uh, in the last seven days, and he's got a very good one running on Wednesday. Um, so we'll probably bring some of them to Royal Ascot. Um, so it'd be fantastic for for the justifies winning on the turf that we can take them to Royal Ascot. And, you know, we think they'd be very hard to beat in the 2 or races over there.
2: Beauty. Tom, thanks so much for your time. No problem, guys. Really thanks. appreciate it, mate. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed those stories as well about Leicester. Um, Duff, Home Affairs, Nature Strip, since, since you brought it up, um, it is great that they can showcase our sprinting stock on the world stage again because uh, we know the Aussie sprinters are the best in the world. Yep, but they've got
4: hurdles to jump to get there. That's the problem. Um, so Tom, you know, explained it pretty well. You, you can get over there and you can spike a temperature and you're finished. It's a, it's a useless cause. So it's very brave to go over there. The rewards are, and the, you know, the prestige is great if you can get it done because you'll be spoke about for the rest of, you know, the rest of the century. So it's... Um, it's great it keeps the interest going worldwide
0: and and being a stallion if he is successful
2: it puts a lot of interest and a lot of zeros on his price (laughs) in both sides of the world absolutely it does Um, he's already very valuable uh, home affairs and Glenn I believe he and Nature Strip they're they're high up in the markets in their respective races as well um, Uh, over there yeah
0: We've had markets out on uh, Royal Ascot for a while, and and you know I, I think the Australian the Australian interest or, or the Australian runners is enough, um, you know, for for people to to want to play in um, in, in these races. And I'm looking, and I'd say just quickly, there's probably uh, more than a dozen races uh, over Royal Ascot that uh, you know we have got up. A lot of people know you know, the, the king's standard and this year, it'll be called the, is it the diamond jubilee or the... Platinum uh, this year,
5: platinum this year month. Platinum Indians. jubilee.
0: Well, I, I'm not into diamonds and, you know, regalia like you are, You Chris, just like the to, gold chains. I'm monster. just a gold, Shit. yeah. once it, <laughs> If it was the Queen's gold chain or something, I'd probably have a, <laughs> uh, a lot, no, lot more to know about that. But, you know, the, uh, these markets are, are up and going and, and looking at, for example, looking at the platinum jubilee, um... The most popular runner here with us is, as I scroll down to it now, um, is is Home Affairs. But Artorias has probably got uh, about a third of what um, Home Affairs has got on it. The, the only sort of local runner there that's got any money on it is Campanelle. You've got Home Affairs four dollar favorite over Campanel. Well, Nature Strip they've said will more than likely not back up, uh, or sorry, not start in that race there. And they're seven dollars a pair. Artorias is a a fifteen dollar chance. And then you look to the King's Stand, which is on the Tuesday, and in that race there, that's the Tuesday before, you've got Golden Pals, the $3 favourite, over Nature Strip at $4, and then you've got a case of you and Man of Promise, along with Romantic per, uh, Proposal, all the $11, and apart from Nature Strip, there's basically no, inter- no interest
5: in any other runner there. Interesting that Golden Pals favourite there, and I think you'll find if he comes out and beats Nature Strip in that race... He might be on a plane to Australia himself for an Everest, because Cornwall need to find a horse for their slide and he he'd fit the bill if he's fast enough to beat Nature Strip down the straight over a thousand metres. It'd be very tempting to come here for a fifteen million dollar race and do it again on his on on his turf, wouldn't it?
2: What do we know about him, Chris? This Golden Pal?
5: Well, he's been there before, and you know he's
2: a, he's a very fast horse. I was speaking
5: to Tom about him the other day, and he just said he. Um, Wesley Ward says it's the fastest horse he's ever, ever, um, trained. He'll have to be fast to be beating Nature Strip. We, we know what, what's his biggest strength, is pure speed and mm. speed. And it's going to be interesting because, um, over the last half furlong there, the last hundred metres at Ascot, they go up a big hill. So when you look at how Australian horses have won races at Ascot, they break their hearts at the 300 and 200 and then hold on up the hill. If you, if you remember, Um, Miss Andretti Scenic Blast take over target they're a long way in front, a long way out and then it's just a case of um, holding on up something that's very unusual to them a very steep climb to the line in the last 100 metres
2: I don't know if you guys agree but in my opinion um, for straight racing you you don't really want that speedy, speedy horse you need something with a bit of strength uh, uh, to sort of sustain that speed and particularly over there with that incline I think he wants something with a bit of strength so it's interesting that Waller decided to go the 1,000 with Nature Strip Um, we know he's got such a great 1,200 metre record but the 1,000 up the straight might just be ideal for him
4: Yep, it'll be interesting it's hard to you know make a judgment on horses you know against the opposition you don't know and obviously how quick they are if they're some you know all, some every race is different but if he gets the slowest race and gets controlled he can we know he can run can't don't we oh yes the thing
5: is now the thing is now duff too that um there used to be a bit of an advantage to the Australians would be this unknown quantity and they'd be they'd be marked in the markets over there as unknown quantities, so you'd be getting you know, $10, $14 about something that you probably think should be 6 or $7 so the value's sort of gone out and the, the um, people knowing the 400 better.
2: Yeah. Guys, since we're talking all-in markets so I did mention the Stradbroke earlier Glenn, uh, currently $8 the field in that Stradbroke market all-in so it appears to be a very, very wide race this year.
0: Uh, well, typically they are wide races. Uh, Luke, and uh, after Saturday, and of course the uh, the news yesterday that On Trevier, who was the favourite for the Stradbroke leading into Saturday and retained favouritism straight after the race, uh, is heading home to New Zealand. So uh, that that's. Um, a reason now we have you know Ayrton and Apache Chase at the top of the market there at eight dollars each of two. So there's there's still got to be a little bit of water under the bridge. Um, we had Valana winning on Saturday. I thought it was very interesting. Uh, James Cummings said you know we're going to have to try and find the money uh, for the uh, for the late entry fee. Well, there's a four, I think it's forty five hundred late entry fee, uh, which is tomorrow. And if you dodge that and go through to um, the, just the final pay-up, which is a late entry and final nomination, uh, you're looking at about forty odd thousand for that. Uh, and I did write it down on Saturday because Greg Radley asked me what it was, so I've got it written down here on my on my sheet somewhere. But that that's Valana, uh, who's in there as a twenty-one dollar chance at the moment. But it's in the uh, race
5: too, Dave, Game after winning the Fed Best. I beg your pardon. It's in the race if if they take the option. Because mm. that yeah, because that's the an automatic
0: qualifying race. But if you're not nominated, uh, you've still got to pay uh, to get in. Uh, so that, that that's tomorrow, their first opportunity. And then, of course, uh, the well the Tuesday leading up to the Stradbroke, that's that's your final chance if you haven't nominated by that stage. We'll see. Ayrton trials tomorrow, and he's not nominated for the Stradbroke. So whether or not they're just ha- holding out to see how he trials tomorrow, albeit... Jamie Carr's already been booked to ride it in the Stradbroke. Uh, they might be, you know, just see how he goes in that trial tomorrow there. And the interesting point with Brisbane, uh, we had the track upgraded to a good three on Saturday from a good four, and two days later, across the road, Doomman is still a heavy eight. Still haven't found a muzzle for that hound yet, Muns, eh? No, no, there's evidently <laughs> someone approaching the front door or something, Luke, so that's usually the indication
2: that uh, the barking starts. Gentlemen, just before we uh, get your horses to follow, Duff, I I just had a query about Alligator Blood on the text line. He he appeared to go enormous uh, in his return on Saturday.
4: Yeah, we spoke about him earlier. I thought he went enormous as well. So he's right in the picture there. He was first up after a while. He'd uh, wide no cover, a few little setbacks uh, without being injury setbacks, but uh, yeah, that's a, a really good performance from him on Saturday. I think they'll be over the moon that he, he, he should come on from that run and and be right in a race like the Stradbroke.
2: Currently a $15 chance in that race. Let's go around the grounds and get your horses to follow. Uh, Duff, what have you got for us this week?
4: Yeah, not much, not much. I think the only horse I could find with probably a little bit of upside from Ramwick on Saturday was uh, Rupertar. Uh, she, she did a good job. Uh, considering she was first up on a heavy track so they'll have a bit of fun with her winning a few races going with her through her grade. so it's just the one for me this week because we're getting into the start of the winter racing and a few of these horses are tired
2: I reckon Yep, that's that's okay mate um, What about for yourself Glenn Munzie?
0: Uh, I'm going to go with one out of the last as well. and was a life-changing moment. It had stuck its head out a little bit further. Snow zone uh, for Chris Lees. I think she's racing well at the moment. I was going to back her in the Helen Coughlin or the Pam O'Neill uh, last week in Brisbane. Uh, so to get to, I thought, you know, $12 on Saturday was very, very good there in just a, a standard sort of benchmark 78 race. And uh, she did well. She'd, she'd won well at and She's a very, very good wet tracker. Uh, snow zone and I thought the combination with Dylan Gibbons all added up to being uh, something to be on there on Saturday but I was close but no cigar Chris Roots
5: Yeah I I know the boys made Owen County a horse to follow after Hawkesbury where he defied the bias and then to come out and did on the weekend Short enough in the JJ now $10 but um, you know I thought it was probably the best trial going back to the sires just a bit of news out of that She's a belter. They only paid up for the sires, the six thousand for the sires, because the Carter stakes got called off and moved back in the carnival. They're going to consider now paying a late entry for the JJ as well and go to the mile with her. So she was pretty impressive there, getting home powerfully on that on that dry track, and that just might be the key to her getting back on dry track. She she just didn't handle the wet track she's been on. So um, the snows will make a decision there in the next couple of days on the winner of the sires, whether it goes to the JJ and probably um you might see a late entry there as well and the other one i i think is a horse to follow is Tycoonist just got sh- shut out on the alligator blood race it was going for a run between alligator blood and another horse and james mcdonald went over basically um swinging to it so i think there's a good race in it during the carnival whether it's um you know strobe broke or something like that probably doesn't get there now but he it's a very handy horse and it'll probably win a race in the next couple of weeks
2: Okay, Chris, there's three from yourself. That's been Punters Postmortem for another Monday. Big thanks to Glenn Munsey, Ron Duffacy and Chris Roots for their contributions to this morning's show. And thank you for your calls as well and also for listening on Sky Sports Radio. One past ten. We'll take a break.